How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome in to another edition of Booze and Baseball, episode number 55, the Albert Pujols double five number um, and on May 19th 2007 the Florida Marlins there's a throwback beat the Tampa Bay Devil Rays another throwback seven to two Dontre Willis went seven innings of two run ball seven strikeouts for the win another throwback there and the game featured home runs from Hanley Ramirez throwback Aaron Boone the now Yankees manager throwback Jeremy Hermida uh, not much of a throwback and Elijah Dukes and Johnny Gomes for the Rays. There's throwbacks, and how about this? Miguel Cabrera in that same game. I mean, this is just a game of all names. Two for five in that game. And later on that year, he hit 320 with a 965 OPS, 34 home runs, 119 RBIs. That was his final season with the Florida Marlins. And the, uh, honestly, this just happened to work out because I put together this throwback and chugged that out of the way. The, the week but i want to bring this up now because miguel cabrera ended up getting traded to the detroit tigers for that next season and has been one of the best hitters of our generations well there's a report out there uh this for coming from buster only of espn that he said according to rival executives they believe the nationals will be compelled and motivated those are the two words he quoted to move juan soto yeah this is first of all Great throwback stat, Derek. Way, way to go. Uh, those are a lot of great names. Uh, it's just crazy because that was kind of the early era for us, right? So we've seen all these guys that we kind of grew up watching really grow up to be their managers or in Miguel Cabrera's case. I mean, he's still, you know, chomping at the bit in the league right now. I mean, he actually is hitting pretty well, uh, believe it or not, right now. It's, it's kind of been fun to watch him uh, over the last month or two especially after getting his 3,000th hit. But with the Juan Soto news, uh, I got to say, this is not surprising at all. Uh, The Nationals are nowhere near competing right now. They have the best player on the face of the earth, in my opinion. But you see value sometimes, and sometimes it's as high as it possibly can be. And if you have no way of signing that guy, uh, and we've seen in the past this is the case, Maybe this is your best shot to just have a massive overpay sent your way. I think that's the only way the Nationals actually are listening to and trading Juan Soto, but I I kind of agree with what Buster only says. And uh, a team that I've targeted in this department is the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals are in a win-enough-now mode, right? They have Nolan Arenado. They have Paul Goldschmidt. 
in a few years from now, those names are probably going to drop off. Okay. The expectation at least is that probably in two to three years, the production you get from those two key faces is maybe not going to be there. Also, they have a plethora of, at least as of right now, MLB ready talent that they could probably dish off and get and improve at that outfield position. And I'm talking about a guy like Dylan Carlson, who was a top prospect uh, just, it feels like, yesterday. Um, then you have Tyler O'Neill, who struggled early on this year. Uh, they haven't really figured out exactly what to do with him. Maybe a change of scenery where he gets full-time no matter what helps. But I, I really look at the prospects the Cardinals have. They've got a lot to work with. I would say led by Nolan Gorman is a, a name that really sticks out. Matthew Libertor. Um, you could even look at just the top prospects overall that they had, and you could go deeper in the list. Luke and Baker seems like a guy that sticks out. Um, I don't know if he's going to get the proper play time with Paul Goldschmidt. And so, you know, maybe give him a chance at first base and, you know, Josh Bell DHs. I, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. I do think, though, that if Juan Soto is traded, expect either Steven Strasburg or more likely, in my opinion, Patrick Corbin to be attached in a deal uh, because the Nationals, if they're trading Soto, they're they're completely punting uh, their next two to three years at the very least. And they better get a return uh, that'll give them a team that can compete in that time frame and also financial flexibility. And Corbin's contract is awful. So I kind of expect that to be part of the deal. Juan Soto still has two more years after this of, of under contract with arbitration. I, I don't... I guess I, I look at the the Nationals and what they're doing, and it feels like their goal is to be good further off than that. So I, I would understand it, but gosh, you got to pay the guy. I, in my opinion, I, I don't care that it's going to cost four hundred, five hundred million dollars, whatever it is. He is the best player in baseball. And he's only twenty three years old, so um, I, I wouldn't do it if I were them. And I'm curious how much this report like actually turns into anything because it was. It was kind of just loose report. Like rival executives think they would be compelled to trade him. Like what? What do you mean? That's not actually the Nationals saying that they are going to try to trade him. That's just them speculating that they think they're bad and they are going to get offers for him, which they should because he's a good player. So I don't, I don't actually expect him to get traded. But yeah, you're. I mean, Cardinals, like name whatever team. Um, you're going to have to give up a haul if you want him because you are getting him under two more years of contract. For again, the best player in baseball, and uh, I, you know, if you're any team, if you're any team outside of like one that doesn't have payroll to support that, which probably is about twenty to twenty-five teams in the MLB, at least kick the tires on it. You might as well. Uh, but with that being said, what are you drinking? Yeah, uh, our theme you're gonna find out here in just a little bit. But I, I had to go with something that has hard alcohol in it. So I have a. Vodka Cran currently, um, and uh, I made it pretty strong, and I'm going to take a sip right now, and that's probably part of the reason why I can even somewhat rationalize the Nationals trading one soda, is because I'm drinking a Vodka Cran. What are you drinking? I'm just drinking a beer. It is called a Schleifly. It is a beer brewed in St. Louis. It is a uh, pale ale. I've never had it before. Can you spell that for me? S-C-H-L-A-F-L-Y. Schleifly. Nice. What does it taste like? It's actually pretty good. So it's an English-style IPA. So it's kind of got the hints of like, a, you know, an Oktoberfest ambery type beer with the IPA type feel and a little bitterness coming in at the end there. It's actually pretty good. Um, yeah. I would give it a uh, – give it an RBI single, something like that. Okay. okay uh, it does the job. does the job. Yeah, I like that. exactly. We got to get to our MLB beer pong before we get into our main segment. 
Uh, I hit one of two last week. I hit on Houston, didn't hit on Colorado over Casey. So it's nine to nine with cups remaining. Uh, what two series are you picking this week? Yeah, uh, there's two that stick off uh, and stick out for me. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays continue to look really good. Um, they're going to face a really terrible Reds team. Uh, to me, it seems like pretty obvious there. I'm going to go with the Blue Jays winning the series. I'm not going with a sweep, but I will turn to we, – we've talked about the, the Nationals a bunch already on this show. Brewers over the Nationals, and I'm going to go with the sweep because I think the Brewers have the pitching this weekend that will allow them to pull that off. Um, they've got Lauer in game one. They've got Woodruff in game two, and they've got Peralta in game three. And the Nationals have got a lot of nothing going against them. To me, it just feels like the Brewers are going to go all about this. They've been playing great baseball, too. Despite the fact that they did put Willie Adamas on the IL, I still think the Brewers will scratch away enough runs to pull off the sweep against the Nationals. And who knows? Maybe no Juan Soto. Okay, our uh, segment for today, we have passed the first fifth of the season, uh, which is about 32, 33 games math-wise. We're, we're past that point. So we are going to assign fifths of alcohol to what right now would be the playoff teams. There would be 12 playoff teams, three division winners each side, three uh, wild cards on each side. And we just divvied these up between the two of us. Um, you have the first one, the AL East leader right now with the best record in all of baseball, the New York Yankees. Yeah, well, the Yankees have been on fire since the very start of the year, specifically Aaron Judge looks like an MVP candidate. Therefore, if they're on fire – Fireball is the only option, right? Getting a fifth of fireball. Uh, and they do. They pack a very fiery punch across the board in the lineup, led by Judge and Stanton. But you've seen production from DJ LeMahieu as well. Actually, Glaber Torres is getting a little more pop off the bat uh, in the last month or so. He's not putting up gaudy numbers, but I, I would say he's at least been okay in production. Better than what he had been. Let's put it that way. Um, but overall, this team is just it feels like unstoppable and that's the way fireball is the moment you, you know, I, I guess I don't even want to say you ingest it. The, the moment that you throw that down and guzzle it and kind of have regrets, it's, it's going to affect you immediately. And, and the moment you step into the box facing the Yankees, uh, including their rotation led by Garrett Cole and how about nasty Nestor, you know, you're in for a struggle. It's, it's going to be packing a punch completely from the very get go. That's what fireball does to you. The Yankees attack early and often, um, and they look like the best team for a reason and a major reason why. And I don't know why we're not talking about this maybe as much as we should, but it's not just the lineup and the starting rotation for the Yankees, but the bullpen actually has been very successful as well early on here. Uh, and it's a lot of names that you're going to see that it's not just Chapman that that's stepping up for the Yankees across the board. They're getting production kind of across the board um, when they really need it the most in terms of depth. Uh, and I think that that bullpen is probably a scarier part to that team than even their rotation. You got guys like Clay Holmes, Michael King, uh, Miguel Castro. They're stepping up. Their ERAs are in the ones. Actually, Clay Holmes is at .49 right now, 18 innings pitched. Uh, I'm just pretty blown away by what they've been able to pull off here early on. And uh, I think that it's going to sustain too, Derek. Um, I'm a little interested to see the depth of the rotation how that kind of pans out for them. That may be their one weaker spot, if you will. Uh, but overall, I, I'm really amazed by how good this team has been to start out. Yeah, they have like three or four guys who are not Aroldis Chapman, who I'm like, if you were on another team, you might be the closer. Uh, that bullpen is is filthy. I thought for a second you were going to go with Everclear because that is, is basically flammable when you said they're on fire. Um, okay, AL Central uh, is my pick. 
Minnesota Twins are winning the division. Kind of surprisingly, the White Sox have dealt with injury issues. My pick here is a fifth of screwball. So we've got the two kind of, um, I don't know, they're not like novelty, novelty like drinks or fifths, but sort of. Uh, screwball, if you're unaware, is peanut butter whiskey. And it's, it's sort of the new fireball. I, I think it's better. It's, it's a little more expensive. So I wouldn't say it's like uh, the college drink necessarily because you're going for the cheap stuff when you're in college. Um, but it's a nice change up a little bit. Like it's, it's not something that's going to be the main drink. That's all you drink all the time, screwball. But every now and then it's like, yeah, you, you know what? Or if I need a shot, like I'll, I'll take a shot of screwball. And it can be kind of a smoother shot because of that. Like Byron Buxton can be a smooth shot. He's got a 973 OPS. He had the injury woes. Um, not really stealing bases, which is probably for the better of his health, to be honest. But it is a little disappointing to see that number low. But he just has so much pop right now. And um, outside of that, like I said, though, it's just like it's not something with screwball that I want to drink like just every night and make it my main drink or something. And just all night I'm drinking screwball and stuff. Um, And I'm just not like totally buying into the twins. Like, I don't think they're going to end up winning the division. I think the White Sox getting healthy are going to usurp them. The thing that's weird for me with the twins and, and all power to them is that right now their pitching has been really good. They're sixth in the MLB in ERA at the time of uh, recording. And Chris Paddock just got injured. Joe Ryan's been really good, but I think he's more of like a – he's more of like a deception guy that I think as the season goes on, some of the numbers will drop down. Um, I, I don't trust like Chris, Chris Archer to stay healthy. and I don't know. I just don't trust the pitching to be that good necessarily. And with the batting, I, I think they're about to run into a bit of a cluster here because Joe Urshela – is third on the team in at-bats, despite the fact he has a 623 OPS. You have Carlos Cray in the middle. You have Jorge Polanco in the middle, who are mainstays. Luis Arias is kind of a middle, third base type of guy. And then you have uh, Royce Lewis, who they just had to send down, who was doing pretty well. Jose Miranda as well. Like, it's just going to be, be a little bit difficult. And uh, they're interesting. They have some, some nice traits about them, but I'm still just not, like, ready to totally commit to that. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, one thing to look at, they've got Carlos Correa coming back, so maybe the lineup will be a little more sustainable with him. But, yeah, it, it's been basically the Byron Buxton show, and, you know, that show is not open every day because he seems to find a new way to get injured uh, once every four days, it seems like. But they, they're they're a fun team. They're super interesting. Uh, one guy that I really like on that team is Yoan Duran. Uh, he can clock it to 103 miles per hour, which is pretty wild. So uh, they've got pieces. They're definitely fun. They, they're they kind of that quirky side. And I think the, the peanut butter whiskey suits them nicely in that department. Uh, for the AL West, we have the Houston Astros. Um, and so for them, I'm going to go with a fifth of Smirnoff. Uh, it, it may be kind of a boring one, but that's kind of what the Astros are. They're not playing the most sexy brand of baseball, but they're still winning games. Uh, and I think that that's something that's, important to note at this time also what is Smirnoff to people well to me it's drank by both young and old people right like you kind of go out and and nobody's going to judge you if you're 40 years old and your vodka Smirnoff right but if you're a college student a lot of times they flock to the Smirnoff so it's both young and old you know there's not a particular age group that goes after it and that's kind of what the Astros are right now they're a blend of young and old and what I mean by that Justin Verlander looks like a Cy Young candidate right now. He's returned back to his old ways and then pair him with the youth of this team. Alex Bregman has been playing well. Jordan Alvarez continuing to deliver. You got Kyle Tucker. How about Pena as well at shortstop? I mean, they've, they've got production from their young guys and uh, mix him with the old guy and Justin. And uh, you've got the success the Astros have so far. 
I am a little concerned, though, with uh, the bullpen. I, I think uh, the bullpen's a bit of a at least something that's glaring for me. Ryan Presley does not look like the closer that we're all used to seeing from him. Um, and so that's kind of the takeaway with Smirnoff is, you know, it's not the top shelf, right? It's, it's there, it's present and it does the job, but uh, it's not going to be the most expensive. Remember they didn't go out and retain Carlos Correa, but it does the job. And, and that's what the Astros have done. Um, not a sexy brand of baseball, but it's, it's been a winning brand. Yeah. You just look up at the standings. You're like, yeah, oh, okay. They're just a machine. Uh, how about uh, a team in their division who's contending with them for the West? They're currently the AL wildcard number one, the LA Angels. I picked for this one a fifth of tequila because celebrate right now. They're actually good. We haven't always seen this. I don't know if it's going to turn out well, but it started this way. I mean, the run differential is great as well. Uh, I think they're third in the MLB in run differential. And, you know, when you're taking shots of tequila, tequila, there are three steps. There's the salt, there's the lime, there's the tequila. Well, uh, the best player in all of baseball is Taylor Ward. He is the salt. Um, Mike Trout is the tequila. He's the base. Otani is the lime. He, he, you know, adds the zest. He spices things up. He, uh, you know, adds the acidity to it. And those three have been so fun. I, I still can't believe Taylor Ward. The problem with tequila is, like, a night filled with tequila shots usually doesn't end well. And I'm not convinced things end well here because I, I still don't love the pitching. Reed Detmers and, and Patrick Sandoval have been really good to start so far, but Noah Syndergaard has the injury, and, and I don't know how much you can trust that with Detmers and Sandoval over the long haul once we get into the, the final months. I, I, I don't totally love the middle infield. Anthony Rendon is, is struggling, but you know, uh, good for them. The lineup is super legit, even with Rendon struggling, even with Joe Adele back in AAA. The outfield is awesome. So celebrate. Tequila. Man, they've been such a fun team to watch. And, and you know you have things going the right way when you throw a no-hitter, and that's not even the talk of the game. It's when Anthony Rendon it was hitting lefty and hit a home run left-handed. That was pretty wild. That, that, was, that game was just bonkers. One of our friends was at that game. He went at the last second, and I am super jealous that he was there. That game alone was tequila uh, to the max. I think that probably the fans after that took like a billion tequila shots, and rightfully <laughs> so. I, I, I like that one a lot. It's pretty accurate. Uh, the second wildcard team as of right now, that would be the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to go with Bacardi for them. Um, Bacardi's not the most expensive rum out there. It has a late kick, and I would say it's more – this is almost a me thing. So, fun fact, Bacardi is probably my biggest weakness drink. I can't really explain it, but that one is the one that gets me more than anything else out there. I don't know why. I Honestly, part of me, I'm convinced that I'm, like, allergic to it because I turn really red the moment that I get it. And so, uh, I, I there's a chance I do. I don't know, but I get super, super – you know, beat off of Bacardi. Uh, and for the Rays, you know, that's kind of what I'm going to attribute this to. Um, you know, early on, you kind of see that Bacardi kind of goes down lightly. And for me, it hits me a little later. Uh, their bullpen has been money. So that's been really where they've been great at. But the lineup itself has been pretty light. Uh, Wander Franco, Margot look really good. Margot was actually put on the IL. So that's, that's a tough loss for them. I do want to address McClanahan, though. He has just been absolutely filthy. He, he's a top-five pitcher for me in the league right now uh, based on how he's been producing. Um, but, you know, it's a cheap team, right? Like, there's a lot of kind of gaping holes, I would say. Uh, but they somehow still make it work, and that's kind of what Bacardi does. It, it still gives you a good night for the most part, uh, and it packs you a punch late because of the bullpen. If you're trailing to the Rays, 
good luck. They, they've got so many pieces uh, to finish you off there. But the problem is, how does it start for you? And, and it's also, you know, it's kind of an up and down thing for them um, because they were the team on the bat, the bottom end of that Angels loss, right? They've kind of had some rough patches. Uh, Rosa Reina does not look very good at the plate. Um, they, they've kind of had some consistency issues across the board offensively. Uh, Bacardi, you know, it hits me in that way too. You know, sometimes I really don't know what I'm going to expect from it. Um, and and I, that's kind of what I see with the Rays too. Okay, uh, the next one is a team in the Rays division. Wild card number three is the Toronto Blue Jays, who have kind of fallen a little bit here. Uh, for me, I picked a fifth of gin. doesn't really matter what kind. For the sake of this, let's just – I don't know. I'll pick Bombay Sapphire or something. Um, gin is, is one of those drinks that – I think it sounds cooler and better than it actually is. Like, it sounds classy. It's like, oh, I'm going to drink gin. And it's great. It's low calories and stuff. Um, it's great. The Blue Jays have Vladdy, right? But, like, it's, it's so bitter. And every time I get, like, a gin and tonic, it looks so refreshing. It looks so delicious. And it never is. It never is. You just stomach it down. You're like, okay, this is fine. Like, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. And, and I'm trying to figure out the Blue Jays, I guess. Like, are they legit contenders? Because you do have Vladdy. Uh, Bo Bichette kind of struggling early to start the season. Teoscar Hernandez coming back into the fold. Um, you do have, like, the top pitcher with with Kevin Gossman at the top and, and Alec Manoa as, as a one-two punch. But, like, are, are they that or are they just disappointing to what they look like on paper? Like, when I get that gin and tonic because Jose Barrios has been really struggling. Kevin Biggio getting sent down to the minor leagues. They have some holes at the catcher position, right? Like, I, I just don't know what to think. And, and every time I look at the Blue Jays, I go, wow, you have all this and, and that and you have all these pieces. You guys should be really good, and they're they're barely hanging on to being above 500 teams. So I I picked Jim for the Toronto Blue Jays. I I like that one a lot. A name to pop in there too, because you were talking about how it looks so good, and then it just kind of hits you the wrong way. How about Bo Bichette? I mean, the consistency, uh, or I should say, lack of consistency, uh, has really been an issue for him. I mean, he's slugging 370 at the day of recording. Uh, he has been a huge problem at the plate. And Matt Chapman, same concept. It seemed like that trade was really going to be a huge win for the Blue Jays. He's put up power numbers, so that's been nice. But the dude can't hit past the Mendoza line. So, I don't know. I, I do totally agree with you. I think that um, there's still a ton of value with this Blue Jays team. They're still going to be one of the better teams, I think, in the league. But, yeah, they're not playing quite up to the caliber I think we all expected. A team that may be playing even better than any of us expected, the NL East, the New York Mets, they're smooth, uh, but expensive, and that's exactly what Grey Goose is. Uh, you know what you're going to get with it, and I feel like you kind of know what you're going to get with the Mets now. Anytime that they're taking the field, you know that they're a very talented team across the board. There's not a ton of weakness uh, with this team. The bottle for Grey Goose, by the way, it's clear, and I would say these guys have a pretty clear path right now to the playoffs at the time of recording. Even without DeGrom, they still seem to – have really no issues at this time. I, I don't know if they're going to have DeGrom this year, uh, but it seems like we're kind of almost forgetting and not really caring that he's not on the team, which is uh, kind of crazy because he's the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. Uh, part of the reason why is Max Scherzer's looked really good, as we kind of all expected. And then the offense also looks great. It's been consistent as well. You know, it's a high-spending team, and we all kind of knew that at some point in time, the Mets were going to be dangerous. And I think now we really do know with – 
a lineup dealing with Pete Alonso. Brandon Nimmo looks amazing, especially getting on base consistently. Starling Marte was a purchase they had. Uh, they didn't have to go to quite top shelf for him, but they had to go pretty high for him. They went top shelf for Francisco Lindor. He's had a little bit of a drop-off lately, but he still has shown better signs than he did last year of success. Uh, and then Jeff McNeil has really turned it around from what he was doing last year. Um, I, I really like this team a lot. They're dangerous, and I think they're going to continue to reach for the top shelf at the trade deadline to address any needs that they really have. Uh, their bullpen's been good too, but they could probably improve there in that department a little bit. But I love Drew Smith. I think Drew Smith has been probably one of the sneakier names this year. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this is a scary team. I like that one. Okay, uh, on to the NL Central. Milwaukee Brewers. This is going to be a little uh, unorthodox. I don't know if you saw this, but Arby's, which is the like uh, fast food brand. I, I don't know. If you don't know what Arby's is, then <laughs> you have not watched TV in the last like three years. Nonetheless, uh, Arby's released vodka. If Arby's vodka, I, I don't know if it's like, and it has like the curly fries on it. So I don't know if it's supposed to like taste like curly fries. Do you eat at Arby's? In... Have you ever eaten at Arby's? Yeah, yeah. I never in my life would choose to eat at Arby's. And then hearing that they have a mm. vodka, I have never wanted to eat there and I will never drink there. No, dude, Arby's is actually pretty good. Beef and cheddar, curly fries. You can get a Jamocha shake. It, it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, but I, see, I don't know if they're, I don't know if it like is supposed to taste like curly fry vodka, oh. or if they're just making fun of the fact that like, you know, it's they say potato like vodka is made of potatoes. So is it just you know? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I am very curious on what it tastes like though. And um, I, I actually think that you know we should have a discussion about I, I know in our fantasy league we have we have punishment for last like maybe they have to get the arby's vodka or something um so nonetheless we'll, we'll talk about that later uh I, i'm curious what this tastes like but nonetheless i'm not a big vodka guy to begin with i was a bit lower on the brewers and, and maybe honestly i still am because i still kind of think the cardinals are going to win the division but i i you know i do kind of like arby's and it's hard not to like the brewers right now They've had such a good start to this season, and we know about the pitching. We know that Corbin Burns uh, looks like he can win another Cy Young. Brandon Woodruff has all the talent in the world. Freddie Peralta has been a little inconsistent, but you know he's still a, a really talented pitcher. Eric Lauer uh, continues to pay dividends for them. Um, so, uh, like the pitching is all there. Uh, the question's always been the lineup, but right now they're actually hitting. They're top ten in the MLB in OPS. Uh, Hunter Renfro is slugging the heck out of the baseball. Willie Adamas looks good. How about Rowdy Telez? He is just, you know, whenever he makes contact, it's just, it's soaring up on out of here. Colton Wong has found a bit of a hot streak so far. Even like Jace Peterson has found a bit of value as like a multi-positional player for them. And how about Christian Yelich? Like you look at the overall stats on the season. They're not like eye popping. It's a 237 average, 335 OBP, 422 slug. That's a, a 758 OPS. But you look what he's done lately. Over the last 30 days, he's up over an 803 OPS. Over the last 15 days, it's at an 887. He's, he's not quite to the level of like MVP level, Christian Yelich, but he's getting back to the point that they need him to be for this to be a, a top 10 offense. And so, you know, at Arby's, beef and cheddar, it's a great combo. So is top 10 pitching and so is hitting and top 10 hitting. Well, you know, I still don't want to pay the high price to get the Arby's vodka. Like it's sold out within like an hour. Are you well, when they put them up for sale? Yeah, I, I don't want to wait for the back order. I don't want to buy high right now on the Brewers, but it's hard for me not to at least respect what they're doing, even though I'm a bit perplexed by both Arby's vodka and the Brewers lineup. I have so many thoughts 
from this entire thing. I just have, I, I, I can't quite put them together. One thing I think is for certain though, if I was going to go to an Arby's in Milwaukee, if they're there, I don't even know if they're there. I could almost guess that at least once or twice a week, I'm going to see Rowdy Telez there in line. I would just assume that's where Rowdy Telez goes. He probably does get the curly fry vodka and, and as much beef and cheddar, and then he hits these massive rowdy dingers. Uh, so maybe Arby's is the key to his success. I don't know. I, Derek, I'm not convinced. I'm not going to go to Arby's. Uh, I, I, I think the Brewers are really good. Um, you know, I will buy their pitching. I will not buy the Arby's vodka for as long as I so shall live. Um, moving on to maybe a liquor that's not quite produced from Arby's, but it's going to also pack a punch uh, in some way, shape, or form. For the NL West, it's the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, you know, on paper, the Dodgers, people talking about how this lineup was going to be the best in history. It was going to be the greatest of all time and probably the strongest lineup. Well, the strongest alcohol that I can think of is absinthe. And with absinthe comes a lot of consequences. And the Dodgers are kind of reeling at this time in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, absinthe is the strongest alcohol. Mixed results come with that. It's also kind of expensive. I just want to add to that. Also, some people handle absinthe incredibly different from others. I have had absinthe. It was not a pretty experience. I had it from the place that it originated in, the Czech Republic. And I was warned that it was going to do some damage to me. I did not expect it to do as much damage as it did. I only had two shots of it, and I downed three bottles of water after it. Uh, I started seeing the clock tower shaking. It, it was a rough experience. The Dodgers, I think, really, when you see the lineup on paper, you just assume that this team was going to be winning it all from the get-go. But they kind of see the clock in the Czech Republic shaking a little, too, it seems like, at the plate. Uh, sometimes they seem lost at the plate. In other days, they're absolutely dominating. It's really hard to figure out exactly where this lineup is going um, I think that it's going to be a playoff team to the max. I mean, I still think they're winning the division, still a World Series caliber, caliber team. But uh, while there's so much value and they're probably the strongest on paper, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a championship team yet. And uh, they've got a lot of hurdles to overcome on the pitching side of things. Clayton Kershaw on the IL is huge. Uh, Blake Trinan being extended to 60-day IL, that's going to hurt them. So there, there are a lot of question marks with the uh, the Dodgers, and results may vary with absinthe, and the, result, the results have varied with the Dodgers, especially with the Philadelphia Phillies series, where I think they really did get exposed. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have a uh, little intervention with you here. I have done this before. I've had my teams go up and down. I did this last year with the Chiefs. They were 2-3. and three. I thought they were done for. The Dodgers are still the best record in the NL. They have the second best run differential in the MLB, or, or the best run differential in the MLB. If you combined the third and fourth best run differentials, uh, which is the, uh, the Angels and the New York Mets, it would only be two runs better than the Dodgers. I think they're going to be just fine. I do. But I'm I do get it because, but I do get it because, you know, when I will say, like, when you're at the level of where the Dodgers are, the expectation every year, is not, can we be a playoff team? Can we be a contender? It's, can we win a World Series? And so I do, I do get being critical from that standpoint, but I still do think they're fine. All right, uh, NL wildcard number one is the San Diego Padres. Uh, I'm going to go with a fifth of warm-ish whiskey. You know, that's, it, it's kind of in like that $25 to $40 range, like, I don't know, Jack Daniels or maybe like a, if you can get like a bottle of Woodford Reserve. So it's, it's a pretty good, you know, thing of whiskey and, or, or whatever you like, bourbon, you know. 
And it's, it's not like warm, warm, but it's warm ish. Like it's not on the rocks or anything. So it's solid. It's maybe overperforming a bit. Like they, they're under a plus 20 run differential right now. So probably a little bit overperforming, especially without Fernando Tatis. But if it just gets that big ice cube to cool it off, which Fernando Tatis is the big ice cube, then like they're, they're going to be sitting pretty. And, you know, um, there are certain parts of it where it's like, yeah, this is great. This is Whitsky. And that's the case with like Manny Machado and right now Eric Cosmer. But then there are other parts of it where it's like, oh man, this is, you know, it, it, what, what the heck's going on? Like this is the warm part of it. Like I, I need the ice cube. Like Jake Cronenworth has really struggled to start the season. You Darvish hasn't looked great so far. But then again, you, you go back and you have another sip and you go, ah, a little warm. Oh, but it tastes good. Taylor Rogers is leading the MLB in saves. So uh, a fifth of warm whiskey for the San Diego Padres. That's a really interesting one. I, I actually, I like your explanation. I'm convinced on that one. I can roll with that. Uh, the San Francisco Giants. I'm going to have to make Derek proud on this one. Uh, mm. Wild card number two. My pick for the Giants, I would say Bailey's. Okay, so it's creamy. Um, it's kind of light, which I would translate that to how the offense is. It's not the most hard-hitting offense. but also, Do you know who the Giants pitching coach is? Who their pitching coach is. Andrew Bailey. I was just going to say, it has to be a Bailey, doesn't it? See, it was perfect. It's perfect. It, it, fits, it fits the scheme. It fits the scheme. That's exactly why I did it. I didn't even think about that, but I like that. Uh, Andrew Bailey probably loves Baileys, and uh, I would say the main reason why it really attributes to the Giants is while it's a little light like the offense, it can sneak up on you, and it's always in play, especially late in the evening. Okay, I'm talking Irish car bombs here, right? That's where they really are well used. And you got Carlos Rodon, uh, who has just been lights out for the most part. Um, he doesn't really sneak up on you now, but he snuck up on us in the first couple starts here. Uh, and he now looks like a true ace, even after maybe one hiccup of a matchup. They did have their COVID issues, okay? So that was kind of a struggle, but they're kind of coming back. Camilo Duvall really packs a punch, I'd say, in the ninth inning. Um, but what I really like about the attribution between the Giants and Bailey's is Bailey's is not necessarily cheap. It's not necessarily expensive. The Giants always kind of hover in uh, the higher portion of, you know, salary, but they haven't made like a major signing by any means. And usually it's a lot of pieces that combine together to create a result at the end of the day. And so oftentimes you use Bailey's and you combine it with Guinness and you, you create your Irish car bomb. Right. And so I think for the Giants, they just have a lot of these pieces that come together and they work together and they get the victories. And, you sit here and you wonder, how does this team find ways to win with some of the names that they have in that lineup? Like Tyro Estrada, you could argue, has been their best hitter this year thus far. I mean, that, that is how the Giants win, though. That is their, their game. It's the combination of hits, timely hitting, solid pitching, um, and, and that's what's worked for them. And I think the bullpen has helped at least a little bit in that category, too. And so a, a little Bailey's goes a long way for them. Yeah, I like that one. They play the matchups, and Bailey's is a perfect matchup with, like you said, Guinness or coffee or whatever it is. Okay, last one. NL wild card number three is the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm going to go with a fifth of really smooth whiskey. Let's give them, like, Glen Levet or something really good. Um, they're not, like, overly expensive where it's, like, one of those 150 bottles of whiskey. But, you know, you can get a bottle of $70, $80 Glen Levet. They're just they're so dependable every year, and that's the case this year as well. They, to me, have one of the highest floors of any team in the MLB because um, their defense is so, so good. And then the bullpen, I really like a lot. Um, you know, they have some guys breaking out. Giovanni Gallegos has been really good so far this season. 
I like the starting pitching, although, you know, there is something with the pitching there that uh, leaves something to be desired because with the pitching, like I, I don't understand how Miles Michaelis has an under two ERA. I don't understand how Dakota Hudson is working, but like, you know, I, it is. And you still have Adam Wainwright and, you know, you have Jordan Hicks transitioning to the starting rotation. And then in addition to that great defense where you have like, I think it's legitimately like when they're starting their guys, it's like seven or eight guys who have won a gold glove at some point in the field for them. Um, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, we know about them in the middle of the order. Albert Pujols is raking against lefties. And how about Tommy Edmond? He has been so, so good to start the season. Juan Yepes has come up. Uh, imagine if Tyler O'Neill gets going as well, or Dylan Carlson, or they call up Nolan Gorman, who that seems to be on the horizon here, and he is crushing uh, in the minor leagues right now. I really like the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I like that for the Cardinals. And uh, Yepes has been amazing so far. Um, he's definitely one that I think you can sit back and sip whiskey and watch uh, really perform at the level that he has. It's been really impressive. Um, they've got some good young guys right there. As I kind of mentioned at the start of this podcast, this team could be really scary. And if those one Soto rumors are true, I really think that there's a fit there. And I also will throw this one out there, Derek. Um, Michael Conforto, there's rumor at least, according to his agent Scott Boris, that maybe he actually will come back in the later portion of this season uh, just to hit. And so for the Cardinals, maybe they'd need one more bat at the end of the year. That would be a nice fit too um, if they don't opt to go all in. But, man, they've got the pieces to be able to acquire a key key face like Juan Soto. They really do. Um, it's going to take a lot to acquire a guy like that, right? But if you have the top prospects that the Cardinals do and then add maybe a major league talent like what they have with Dylan Carlson – I'm sorry. I think that that team's the best on paper to be able to match up with the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's cool, too, that going back to the uh, Michael Conforto thing, like to your point that he could just hit, that is honestly the biggest um, win out of the National League adding the DH that a guy like that could come back. And think about this, like Bryce Harper, who, you know, he can't throw for the next six weeks. If there wasn't a DH in the National League, Bryce Harper, who is one of the biggest stars in baseball, would be out for the next six weeks. So, like, it's, it's creating a, a cool part of the MLB. So that's, that's kind of a, a nice little wrinkle there. Okay, let's get on to our shotgun six-pack and then wrap things up here. Who is a non-playoff team? Because we went through the 12 playoff teams at the moment. Who's a non-playoff team right now that makes you think or, or that you think makes the playoffs? Yeah, you know – Last year, I just want to take note of what we saw because um, think back to 2019, the Washington Nationals, everybody counted them out, right? And they went on that crazy run. A year ago, the same thing happened with the Atlanta Braves. I still, there is a part of me in my gut that thinks both the Braves and the Red Sox are going to do something like that again this year. I'm actually going to lean towards the Red Sox, though. There, there's just way too much firepower in that lineup to – be putting together the seasons that they have. I, I know a lot of people are counting them out and rightfully so because they've looked awful, but the weather in Boston is not good until the summer comes. And once the summer comes, I'm telling you some of these East coast teams, they start to figure it out. And I just have a hard time counting the Red Sox out initially because 
I, I don't know. When you have a guy like Rafael Devers, I mean, if you look at the numbers Devers is putting up, he's having an MVP-type season. J.D. Martinez is hitting pretty well. Xander Bogarts looks good. Like, they've got guys that can get them there. And on top of that, they were there a year ago. You know, so it's mostly the same lineup that you saw. And they added Trevor Story, who's been really not good so far. But I still think that there is something to be said about this Red Sox team that I just – I don't think you count them out yet. I, I, I'm, I'm going to die on this hill. I really will. I picked them to go far at the start of the year. I'm not about to jump off that yet. And for my little second one, too, I'm just going to say I don't think the Braves are going to be done yet either. I think that they've got enough to where they're going to figure it out, too. They've, get, they've gone through the injury history of Ronald Acuna Jr. off and on here. I think if he can stay healthy you know, in the second half of the season, then watch out because I, I still think the Braves are dangerous. Yeah, I'll say I kind of like the Phillies too. I liked them before the season. Maybe that that success against the Dodgers will spark something for them. But for me, it's it's the Chicago White Sox. They're only three back of the Twins right now for the division. Uh, they're going to be able to rack up wins playing in that division. Now the Twins will too, if if because I think that's how they're going to have to make the playoffs: winning the division, not getting a wild card. With how many good teams there are on the NL East and uh, or AL East, and, and obviously the Angels uh, out west. So I, I think that path is there for them. Uh, like, for instance, right now, Gavin Sheets is at 93 at-bats. Lurie Garcia has a 483 OPS. He's at 92. And you've been able to only give 67 to Andrew Vaughn because he just came off the IL. Eloy Jimenez is only at 36. And, and he's going to be on the IL for a little bit longer here. But, you know, again, like, Yohan Mankata just came back. He only has 30 at-bats so far. Lucas Giolito just came back. I, I think they're going to start to get more healthy. And I don't love the depth of their starting rotation, but the top of it is really, really good with Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, and uh, Dylan Cease that, you know, they could be a team if they just add like a number four starter at the deadline, that could be huge for them. And even if they don't, I think they can hang in there because even then, I still think they have a better pitching staff than the Twins. I still think when healthy, they have a better lineup um, than the Twins. So I'm going to go to the Chicago White Sox. Number two, would you rather as a fan see your team lose a no-hitter? So what the Cincinnati Reds did, if the Cincinnati Reds were playing at home, would you rather see them throw a no-hitter but lose? Or would you rather, as a fan sitting in the outfield, catch two home run balls in the same inning? Because somebody oh, did that. Yeah, I would rather catch the two home run balls. Number one, I don't want to see my team lose. Uh, and that's just a disappointing way. I actually have seen my team get no-hit. Uh, I, I was no, at- but your team would be throwing the no-hitter. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want to see them lose. I, I, but, I, but counterpoint, counterpoint. What if your team is is bad? Because the Reds are so bad. So it's like if they lose, it's not like it's not like like it's not going to affect your day. It's like oh, the Reds lost again. Of course they did. I still don't want to see my team lose. I want to catch two home run balls. That's awesome. You know, like 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 that's pretty cool. You you catch a home run ball. That's pretty cool. Catching two of them, you know, with, with that point. I'm also hoping that maybe one of those home run balls was hit by my team, right? Um, even if it's not, that doesn't mean my team lost yet. So I think I'd rather, you know, I, I have something to take away from the game. So it is almost actually no doubt in my opinion, in my mind, I'm taking the two home run balls because at least I've got something to take home with me too. I can literally say, yeah, I caught two home run balls. Like, look at this right here versus coming home and saying, yeah, I saw my crappy team lose. They threw a no-hitter, and they still lost because we suck. Like, that, that, that's just a bummer, honestly. So, yeah, it, it's it, – I mean, would you take the no-hitter? So, if, if my team is, is good – so, like, right now, you know, I root for the Giants who are a good team. I would not take the no-hitter. But in a situation where I was a Reds fan, where, again, I, 
at this point, like, who cares if the Reds win or lose on a given day? Like, they're, they're just bad. They're, they're going to have the worst record in the MLB. I would take the no-hitter in that situation because that is, like, like that, that's a bigger deal. There have only been six times in MLB history that a team has thrown a no-hitter and lost. So you can say, like, there are not a lot of things in the MLB that you can say there have only been six of them of. Like, think about that. Perfect games is in the 20s. No-hitters is, like, a 300. How many times has there been a no-hitter with team loss? Only six. You would get to say you were part of MLB history. Can That's you remember cool. Can you remember before this one what the one prior to it was? Because I can. Yeah, it was the uh, Angels-Dodgers. I think Jared Weaver was pitching. That's I, I, correct. I can't remember what happened. I know there were a couple errors. I think it might have been like a walk and then a passed ball and then like a stolen base and then a pass ball or something like that. Yeah, Matt Kemp got involved in the action and hit a little dribbler and it was a, an errant throw and then he did steal a base and then I believe he came in on a sacrifice fly. And it, yeah, that's you got a good memory right there. I'm impressed. But yes, Jared Weaver was on the hill. Uh, went eight innings strong, did not allow a hit, and uh, yeah, they still lost. But see, I was on the winning end of that, and so that was cool. But if we were on the losing end, like I remember rubbing it into Angels fans. So you're almost like asking for, for sadness and pain right there, I feel like. So I don't know. I, I would have to have like a complimentary 10 drinks in addition to that for me to take that side, I think. Number three, more home runs this season, Aaron Judge or Jordan Alvarez? Aaron Judge. Judge is on an insane tear, and I think that that continues. Also, you know, Jordan has had this weird injury history where I feel like he's going to go to the IL at least, like, one more time this year. That's just speculation, obviously, but I I think Judge, from that standpoint, gets more at-bats. He's in a ballpark that favors him, in my opinion, more in that department, too. Um, If Jordan played in Yankee Stadium and Aaron Judge played in Houston – that would be really fun because then you'd have Judge hitting the ball into the Crawford box and you'd have your Don hitting it to the short porch. That would be a fun thing. But I think that just based off where they're at, their lineups around them, I'm going to take Judge. I'm going to actually go your Don. As, as much as your Don does have the, the bad knees and injury stuff there, it's not like Aaron Judge has had a clean bill of health. He played 148 games last year. So if he does that, I would take Judge if you can guarantee me that. Year before, he only played 28 of 60. Year before, 102. Year before, 112. Year before, 155. And then year before that, he was uh, just coming up. So I, I don't really trust his health either. Uh, I, I guess I'll go Jordan, but I, I think it'll be pretty close. Number four, line up a perfect but realistic trade to help a contender right now. And I'm going to say you can't use Juan Soto. Oh, man. I wanted to use that one. Um, okay. So – when I look at a team that I mean, is, there's some big names. There's Frankie Montas, Xander Bogarts, Wilson Contreras. I I, and still, I have a hard time thinking the Red Sox are trading Bogarts yet. I do think that will happen though if we see them, you know, trailing like they are in the next month. But like I said, I got to stick to my word. So I'm guessing that the Red Sox get hot all of a sudden. So I'm going to go with a Frankie Montas trade here because I think that Frankie Montas is actually, no, you know what? I'm going Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo is a guy that I think is going to be on the move. And in my opinion, I think a team like the Dodgers who have shown interest in him is a perfect destination for him. And so that's probably off the top of my head, the easiest one. If I was going to craft a trade for a guy like Luis Castillo, and you, you have to kind of, first of all, have the objective of, okay, where is he at in his contract, his age, in essence, how much is he making? Well, the, the good news for, I guess, 
both sides, if you will, when you're bringing in a guy like Luis Castillo. As of right now, he's supposed to be a free agent in the year 2024. So you know you're going to have control with him uh, through that point. So you have this season and next year. He's going to have his ARB case next year. His salary right now is a little over $7 million. That's pretty easy to add on. A lot of teams will probably be interested. He'll be 30 years old next year. That, that's a pretty sweet age. You're going to have to give up some pretty decent pieces. When you look at the Dodgers, though, they've got enough to where I think it's not going to be that difficult. I, I don't think Luis Castillo costs you – a top three prospect, but it's going to cost you multiple really good major league ready type prospects in the process. And so I do think if you look at the Dodgers prospect pool, they actually match up incredibly well with what the Reds probably need at this time. The Reds don't have a lot of hitting depth. Uh, The Dodgers have quite a bit of pieces that I think could at least help them in that department. So from, I guess the top of my head here, if I was going to say this trade makes sense, I'm going to go with, for the Dodgers' purposes, uh, Landon Knack, a right-handed pitcher for the Dodgers. He was a second-round pick, I believe, two years ago. He's going to be the headline piece. Uh, he's major league ready. He could probably come up in 2022, uh, even more likely 2023. Landon Knack is one of the key pieces in that, uh, that puzzle. Then you throw in Cody Hosey, uh, who was a trendy pick, probably two years ago. He's dropped off a little bit. He'll be ready in 2023. Uh, I think Michael Grove, who actually got a little bit of time this season already, got his call up this past week. I think Grove fits that picture. He's their 23rd ranked prospect. Uh, And then I think Cash Considerations, my favorite player of all time, probably fits in that bill. Um, But I, I would say if the Reds are looking for pitching, which I think they should, then it's probably led by Landon Knack. If they want a hitter, it's probably led by a guy like Andy Pages. Uh, would be my guess. Uh, and if the Dodgers aren't willing to you know, trade one of them, then they're probably not getting it. Okay, I have, I have two. Uh, the first would be the, Gi- the Giants have, have kind of struggled at the catcher position. I, I will say Kirk Casale has been on a heater this last week or two, so he's been great. And if that continues, maybe you don't need it. Or if Joey Bart figures it out, maybe you don't need it by the deadline. But Bart's hitting under 200. You don't have Buster Posey. Uh, the Giants have, have made some trades with the Cubs, including the, the big one last year with, with Chris Bryant. Why not go out and get Wilson Contreras, who is on the trade block? You could use a, a catcher. He'd be perfect for them. Um, but how about this one? This is, this is my favorite one. Uh, there'd have to be more pieces going, um, I think, from the Angels to the Twins in this trade. The Twins have a surplus, as I mentioned earlier, of infielders and, and middle infielders. And right now, you, you don't have enough room to hold all these guys, including Royce Lewis, the, the former first-round draft pick and, and top guy for the Twins. Carlos Correa has not been off to the greatest start yet. What if the Twins get offered by the Angels, Joe Adele and other stuff, for Carlos Correa? And they say, well, this opens up more playing time for Royce Lewis. We get another top prospect in here with Joe Adele and, and whoever else they give us. And for the Angels. They say, well, this is perfect. We're not using Joe Adele right now. We need middle infield help. David Fletcher's injured, and even then, the the rest of their middle infield is is kind of up in arms right now. Boom. Perfect scenario. Wow. That is uh, is, – I I like it. I like the thought process. I'm guessing if the Twins remain in first place, they're not going that route. But if they have a massive drop-off, then I actually think that's a reasonable – approach on that end you you do have to wonder if the angels are willing to take on the salary for Correa because that's what they would have to do uh and that's a pretty extensive salary on top of that but yeah it's not 
a terrible idea, actually. I, I kind of I like the creativity behind it. I do. I, I I think that it makes sense if the Twins aren't winning. In the current state that we're in right now, with the way the Twins are playing, I would say no, probably not happening. But if they do have that fallout, then you know it, it kind of makes sense. And yeah, the Angels' weak spot is shortstop at this time. So um, I will say Frankie Montas is going to be a guy that's going to be a major target. I do think that the value for Montas is going to be a lot higher than for a guy like Luis Castillo. Um, But also contract wise for Montas, I actually don't remember if is, is this, is this his final year on his contact contract? Mm, I have no idea. I'll let you research that. As we get into our next question, peanuts or sunflower seeds? It's sunflower seeds for me. Uh, Here's the number one reason why. I do not get flavored peanuts, okay? I don't go to the store and get jalapeno or, you know, mac and cheese and mac and cheese bacon flavored peanuts. I can get that for sunflower seeds. Yes, I actually this past week bought mac and cheese with bacon flavored sunflower seeds and it is unbelievable. I was chewing them at work. People weren't happy. I was. I definitely go with sunflower seeds. Oh, you're the jerk at work who chews sunflower seeds and leaves the mess. Um, yes. I will say this to that question. I, I agree. It's sunflower seeds for me. But, like, what do you mean peanuts? Uh, there's no flavor. There is a flavor. It's it, peanuts. It's peanut butter. You know? Yeah, like, but, but I don't like peanut butter. You don't, wait, hold on. What? Yeah, I don't like peanut butter. This is uh, uh, we needed. I, I've never known this about you. Yeah, I thought I, you uh, knew that. Yeah, so I like everything, right? I like to eat everything. Everybody Except, likes peanut butter. Everybody. I don't like peanut You're butter. You're the first person I've ever met who does not like peanut butter. Yeah, so I I was traumatized as a kid. I uh, it, was, it was in a second grade class, and I was sitting there eating my peanut butter sandwich, and uh, this girl sitting across from me. Probably has no idea I exist. I have no idea anything about what is happening with her, except for she maybe played the biggest role in my life in hating peanut butter because she sat there, ate peanut butter, a peanut butter sandwich, I think it was, and then I saw her pass out in front of me. And the moment I saw that happen, it cursed me. I, I, the smell of peanut butter just brought back that memory. She had an allergic reaction, and I watched it happen right in front of me. And I can, I swear. The next time my mom made a peanut butter sandwich and I just smelled it, I was like, no, no, I can't do it. And I've never been able to shake it. I really, I can't eat Reese's. I can't eat Reese's pieces. You know, somebody made cookies once for me for my birthday and that was the nicest thing in the world. Took one bite. It was peanut butter. I had to go to the bathroom and spit it out. I, I kid you not. I can't do it. I, but I'll, I'll eat peanuts. I will eat peanuts, but I cannot do peanut butter. I can't do it. All right, we have so much more to unpack. That's just going to be our whole next episode, Dusty and Peanut Butter. Uh, but we do have to get to our last one. Uh, choose your Arby's Bloody Mary garnish. I was looking back to the Arby's. Uh, they have two different types of vodka. They have the uh, curly fry vodka, and they have the crinkle fry vodka. And on top of that, um, they are also vodkas that they specifically – recommend using for Bloody Marys and they have Bloody Mary recipes. And as part of that, they have certain garnishes that they recommend you put on it, including items that you can order from the Arby's menu that they recommend putting on the skewer on top. So here are your options that they recommend. Crinkle fries, curly fries, jalapeno bites, roast beef slider, jalapeno roast beef slider, Chicken tenders or mozzarella sticks? What are you putting on your uh, Arby's Bloody Mary? 
Which one's not going to give me a heart attack? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, the best sounding one right there. I'm a big jalapeno guy. That's the reason why I like jalapeno seeds. I'll go with the jalapeno bites. I feel like that actually would taste really good. And plus Bloody Marys, you want it to be spicy. So that complements that well. Maybe you can get me on board for a Bloody Mary with jalapeno bites from Arby's. I think I could probably jump on board with that one. I don't like Bloody Marys in general, so I'm just going to take the tastiest looking thing. I'll go the jalapeno beef slider and I'll just take it off, eat it, and somebody else can drink it. I like that. I like that. Well, I, I got your Frankie Montas right here. I do want to say this. Frankie Montas is literally in the exact same situation as Luis Castillo, but he's $2 million cheaper this year, okay? So he's $5 million. He's age 29. They're literally the same right now, and I would rather have Frankie Montas than Luis Castillo based off injury history, success. So I think Montas is probably going to cost you – closer to a top prospect. Um, and so with that in mind, I think a team like the Toronto Blue Jays is a really good target uh, because they've got pieces to be able to trade away in that respect. Maybe the St. Louis Cardinals too. They could use some depth in pitching, uh, but he's not a free agent until 2024 uh, as well. So he'll be 31 that year. He is Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. That is your latest episode of Booze and Baseball. Give us a follow on social media at Booze and Baseball. Give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to the podcast. We'll see you next time on another edition of B&B. Eat Arby's.